4: Today is Friday, August 2nd, 2019. Roland Martin here, broadcasting live from Santee, South Carolina, site uh, of the Congressman Jim Clyburn Annual Golf Classic. We'll talk with him later this hour, talk a little politics, and also talk about how this tournament raises $700,000 for nearly 200 students to go to college. Uh, but our top story, we're going to deal with uh, Daniel Pantaleo, the cop who killed Eric Garner. And New York administrative judge says he should be fired as a result of the death of Eric Garner. We'll go live to a rally in New York City. We'll also talk with the sister of Eric Garner and a family attorney. Also folks, an innocent black man spent 21 years in prison for a crime he did not commit. He is now out of jail. Speaking of getting out of jail, Cyntoia Brown, the woman many people rose to her defense in Tennessee. She will be released from prison next week. R. Kelly, he is still in jail. Okay, we'll get the latest on that. He is not free. Also, folks, uh, we'll talk about uh, some other issues, including uh, a pastor in Baltimore who says Donald Trump hasn't done a damn thing for the city, even though he stood next to the president when he announced his opportunity zones. And speaking of petty Trump, he literally laughs at Congressman Elijah Cummings having his home broken into. Talk about a grown child as president of the United States, folks. It's time to bring the funk. Roller Martin, unfiltered. Let's go. He's
5: got it Whatever the miss, He's on it Whatever it is
4: Justice for the family of Eric Garner. It has been five years since New York Police Department Officer Daniel Pantaleo choked Eric Garner to death. A medical examiner ruled his death a homicide. Yet, the Staten Island DA chose not to pursue charges. The Trump Department of Justice said they will also not pursue federal civil rights charges. But today, a New York administrative judge ruled that Pantaleo should be fired as a result of his actions in the death of Eric Garner. Mayor Bill de Blasio held a news conference earlier today, and this is what he had to say.
6: There's been a lot of pain in this city over the last five years, and there's been a lot of fear. The pain was because we watched an innocent man die, and the fear was because people worried that there would be no justice, that the inequities that have plagued us for generations would simply continue unchecked. But today, for the first time in these long five years, the system of justice is working. For the Garner family – and I have spent time with them and I have heard the pain that they have felt. It has been a very long five years with no sense of closure, no sense of justice. Until today, the Garner family has been failed by this entire process. And think about what they have gone through. They watched him die, just as we all did. They felt that pain. And then they were told over and over again by the District Attorney, by the Department of Justice, that the government would do its job. And they waited, and they waited, and they waited, and nothing happened. And as all this stretched on, it reinforced the suspicion, as one felt by millions, that justice doesn't exist for people who look like Eric Garner. Today, we finally saw a step towards justice and accountability. We saw a process that was actually fair and impartial. And I hope that this will now bring the Garner family a sense of closure and the beginning of some peace. But full justice means that there can never be another tragedy like the one that befell Eric Garner.
4: Joining us right now is Emeril Garner, the daughter of Eric Garner. Emerald, welcome to Rollo Martin Unfiltered. Uh, Emeril, can you hear me? Yes, can you hear me? Uh, yes, now well, I got you there. First hi. and foremost, uh, this th- this was a, um, a decision the family has been waiting for and hoping for. Uh, just uh, your thoughts about after five years, finally, uh, somebody holding Daniel Pantaleo accountable for the death of your father, Eric Garner. Yes, um, I, 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 I've been
7: um, fired up all day. We heard the decision. Um, There's now finally someone who is agreeing that there is some injustice done to Eric Garner. And that's what we've been crying for for the past five years.
4: Obviously, this came up in the presidential debate the other night. Uh, You had, but you also had, uh, frankly, highs and lows. Many people felt the Department of Justice was going to certainly pursue civil rights charges. Uh, No charges were filed while Obama was president. The Trump administration comes in you had a disagreement there. The Civil Rights Division, they wanted to file charges, but they were overruled by the Southern District of New York, as well as Attorney General William Barr. Uh, but to finally have a judge say, yes, his actions uh, were wrong in the case of Eric Garner, uh, that has to be some kind of comfort uh, because he's frankly gotten all scot-free up until now. Absolutely. So for five years, we've been told that we
7: didn't see what we saw. For five years, we've been told that that was not a chokehold, that the cop did nothing wrong. And today, we finally heard, yes, he did something wrong. And still, to have a PBA president say that he feels like if Commissioner O'Neill fires this cop, he'll lose New York City, New York City is already lost. New York City was lost when Eric Garner died from a chokehold.
4: Well, first and foremost, to hear the union chief say that, I mean, at the end of the day, we know exactly what we saw. We know it was a chokehold. The medical examiner ruled it was a homicide. Uh, and so the, these cops continue to lie and lie and lie. And it should send a signal to the rest of these cops, if you do wrong, look, you'll you lose your job. First of all, he should have been indicted. He should have been on trial. But there's no Absolutely. way in the world he should still have his job.
7: I agree. This should have been done five years ago. Um, and and- he may think that he's getting off scot-free, but we will, we will find a way to maybe open up another investigation towards him. But this is not the end.
4: There's a rally taking place right now. Tamika Mallory, my son, and others, uh, they are rallying because they want to make sure this gets done. Again, the administrative judge is recommending he be fired. That decision still actually must be followed through.
7: I must be finalized by the commissioner who answers to the
4: mayor. Emma Garner, first of all, we know it has been extremely difficult uh, for the Garner family losing Erica Garner uh, to a heart attack after she passed away, losing uh, 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 his stepfather and, and just you know at, at the funeral just the other day. Uh, but uh, your family has been resilient. You'll have not given up. Uh, please give my best uh, to Gwen Carr. let her know that we're praying for her uh, and that uh, we certainly stand with you and the, and the uh, Garner family.
7: Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you
4: for letting my voice be heard. All right. Thank you so very much, folks. That was Emerald Garner, the daughter of Eric Garner, speaking about uh, a New York administrative judge saying Daniel Pantaleo should be fired for the death of Eric Garner. I want to go to my panel right now. Uh, certainly they uh, have something to say about this here. Uh, joining us right now in studio, uh, we have uh, Mustafa. Uh, he is there, of course. Um, South of San Diego Ali, former senior advisor for environmental justice in the EPA. Uh, Misha Cross, she's political commentator for Sinclair Broadcasting Group. Joseph Pignon, Republican strategist and political commentator. Uh, Misha, I'll start with you. Again, five years, uh, no indictment from Staten, Staten Island. We, we never expected that because, frankly, a Staten Island DA sounded more like a defense attorney in this case. Uh, so many cops also live on Staten Island. Then the Trump Department of Justice filed no charges. But finally, some sense of relief for this family to hear somebody say, Yes, Daniel Pantaleo was wrong, had wrongful actions that led to the death of Eric Garner.
8: If you're exactly right. Look, we came to the end of the road with this. There were so many false starts when it came to justice being granted for the Garner family. And this is something that the world watched. And Kudos to the advocates, to the activists, to the family who continually pressed on. But what this tells us in a greater, in the grander scheme is that in many cases, even when something is seen visually, when you get to feel the emotion of watching a police officer kill someone, literally, who's begging for their life, it's not going to matter. To know that that man was still able to go to his job every day to not be fired is a problem. It is outrageous. I'm thankful that his daughter was able to speak to us a few moments ago. But there's, there's a certain sense of upset that comes along with this because it shows us just how broken this system is. And to have the fraternal order of police there make the statement that they did just shows how, one, they don't care. Two, there's, just, there, there's no end to their protection of police, even the extremely crooked and dangerous ones.
4: Uh, Mustafa, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, you know, justice delayed is justice denied. You know, sometimes they don't tell the fullness of, of the whole story. Eric Garner was actually breaking up a fight that was going on out on the block, and then he got rushed by the police. So, you know, a lot of times people talk about, you know, him selling a cigarette or something like that, which, of course, is no justification for what's going on. But we have a systemic problem that is currently going on with far too many of our law enforcement uh, officials. You know, 1% of police officers who kill citizens actually end up getting convicted, 90% of regular citizens who happen to be uh, involved with the death of a police officer get convicted. So there's something wrong with the system when those numbers are so skewed. And we have 447 people who have died this year so far at the hands of police. So, And when you have these police unions who stand up and protect cops that have done wrong, sometimes dirty cops then we've got to change that. And that's why I'm glad that there are some of the presidential candidates who are starting to talk more about criminal justice reform and some of the things that need to happen in that space. Joseph, this reminds me of the Rodney King.
4: We saw the videotape. People said there is no way in the world these cops are going to get off. They did. They were convicted in federal court for violating his civil rights. Uh, To see the chokehold applied, to hear police officers say, oh no, that was no chokehold. That's not what that was. The medical examiner ruled it a homicide. This goes to show you how this society, how this system, the legal system, the city system, protects cops. And so, thankfully, this administrative judge made this decision. Uh, but this was no guarantee that Pachulia was going to keep his job. I actually was going to get fired.
3: I think the hard truth that, that we're dealing with right now, um, for me at least personally, is trying to say that, it, how did we get here, right? I mean, I think the only thing more infuriating than watching Eric Garner have the, the life basically, you know, choked out of him, is listening to the mayor of New York City say that this is justice. Um, I don't know what part of justice is a man who has killed somebody, allowing to collect five years of salary, and then possibly maybe losing his losing his job. Uh, I don't know what part of justice uh, is is us sitting here standing around saying that the Garner family um, should have no answers, Um, that somehow that an individual who is entrusted to protect us engaged in an activity that, by the very department handbook, has been deemed dangerous, has been deemed unlawful, and it results in someone's death and there is no consequences. So I think we have to understand that we can be in solidarity with our law enforcement. We can understand they have a very difficult job. And we can also be able to understand that in every profession in the world, whether you're a doctor, a dentist, uh, you know, an anesthesiologist, or even a bus driver, that if you re- you know, do something that is negligent, um, that is known to be dangerous, and it results in somebody losing their life, you are almost guaranteed to lose your job. And in this case, it's not happening. At least we don't know what's going to happen. So I think that's something that we as a society should step back and really examine because ultimately, again, this, in my opinion, is not justice. It's not even just delayed. It's just an unmitigated disaster.
4: We also want to thank all the activists out there who kept the pressure up, who kept protesting, who kept demanding justice, the Garner family as well. They never, re- they never let up. They never relented. They kept that pressure up. But again decision has not been made to fire him. The recommendation is to fire him. We'll now see what the New York Police Department Commissioner will decide in the case of Daniel Pantaleo. Folks are going to go to a break we come back. Baltimore is still in the news. Uh, Donald Trump is so petty and petulant. He literally relishes the idea of Congressman Elijah Cummings having his home broken into and a pastor who we interviewed right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered after they had the Opportunity Zones uh, news conference at the White House a year ago. He says, not a damn thing has been done to help Baltimore, and not a dime has come to that particular area from Donald Trump. Hashtag, we tried to tell you. You're watching Roller Martin Unfiltered, broadcasting live from Congressman Jim Clyburn's Golf Classic here in Santee, South Carolina. We'll be back in a moment. You want to check out Roller Martin Unfiltered? youtube.com forward slash Roland S. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin on Like, share, subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. All right, folks, they're back. MarijuanaStock.org has another great investment opportunity. If you were lucky enough to invest in the last crowdfunding campaign, you know they raised a lot of money in just a few months investing in legal marijuana farms. Those initial investors now own shares of a publicly traded company. And, of course, they are very excited by that. Now they have a new investment opportunity that is as good, if not better, than the last. I'm talking about industrial hemp CBD. For those who don't know, the hemp plant is a cousin to marijuana, uh, of course, and then uh, has a higher concentration of CBD, which means hemp CBD gives you all of the medical benefits of marijuana without getting you high. Until recently, hemp farming was practically illegal in the U.S. and heavily regulated by the DEA. However, that changed with the 2018 Farm Bill, making it legal to grow hemp CBD in the U.S. and creating one of the largest commodities worldwide. They need land to grow all of the plants, and this makes for an incredible investment opportunity. And That's where our good friends at 420 Real Estate come in. Their business model is simple. They buy land that supports hemp CBD grow operations and lease it to licensed, high-paying tenants. That's right. They are hemp CBD landlords, and you can get in on the action. You can invest in this crowdfunding campaign for as little as 200 bucks up to $10,000. All right, folks, all you got to do is go to MarijuanaStock.org. That's MarijuanaStock.org if you want to get in the game. And if you do so, do it now. All right, folks, uh, let's talk about Baltimore. Remember, it was a year ago when we had a pastor from Baltimore right here on Rolling Martin Unfiltered who was at the White House, who spoke, who stood next to Donald Trump when he announced the Opportunity Zones. He talked about what that was going to mean for cities like Baltimore, investment in those areas. A year later, that pastor has said nothing has happened, not a single dime has come into the area that he's been focused on, uh, and he is not happy about it. He is frustrated. But remember, I told you all this was going to happen. And I said, we'll see what happens. Joseph Pignon, here's what is interesting. Trump keeps touting all opportunity zones. But here's a black pastor who stood next to him who says nothing has happened a year later. This man lies and lies. And you got to ask the question, what the hell?
3: Look, I, I, I think we have to separate the two issues from... The president's unfortunate inability to tell the truth um, and what's happening right now with the opportunity zones. I think realistically, opportunity zones represent a tremendous opportunity, this once in a generational time for us as people of color um, to actually reinvest in our own communities. I think what's transpiring right now is this disconnect between people thinking that there is somebody coming to save them once again. Um, That's not what's happening, and realistically, um, the only places where, quote, unquote, people are going to be coming to save people with opportunity zones are places where there's a ton of money to be made. That's New York City. That's Miami. Um, that's D.C. There are places where there are people who don't look like us who can come there and make a lot of money. Um, but for places like Baltimore, for places um, you know, like rural America, for places like Rochester and Buffalo, New York, um, we have an opportunity to invest in our own communities, to grow our own wealth. And I think that that is something that has not been communicated clearly to people of color. And I think that that is ultimately why you have people like this pastor, you have people all over America saying, I hear the opportunity, but I don't see any results.
4: Mustafa, this is no shock. Again, I told folks, beware of the Donald Trump black photo op. Mm -hmm. HBCU presidents happened to them. Now it's happened to these black folks with opportunity zones. He's running around talking about Baltimore, trash
2: in Baltimore, and he's done nothing. You sure did tell folks, and they should have listened. And they should have also listened to that old quote that says that when someone shows you who they are, believe them. Donald Trump has never invested in our communities unless there was something that he was getting out of it. And the thing that's really interesting is that the president, when he is actually in his office, is in Washington, D.C., He's like 30 minutes away from Baltimore, has never went up to Baltimore since he's been president to see what's going on. You know, he lives inside this billionaire bubble and inside that billionaire bubble, he keeps forgetting that his policies are actually the ones that are damaging Baltimore. So we need to have some real talk about what's really going on. So in each one of his budgets that he's introduced, he has done nothing to build anything up and everything to destroy the basic infrastructure that's in place. He's cut the budgets on HUD that would help with affordable housing and each one of those budgets that he sent forward on. And luckily, there were men and women of good conscience who pushed back against that on Capitol Hill, although they should have pushed back a little harder. When it comes to the environmental laws that have been put in place, he has done nothing but roll those back. So the folks who are there who are breathing that dirty, toxic air and the lead that's there, he's done nothing to help to alleviate any of those situations whatsoever.
4: I mean, sure this is very simple uh he says one thing he does another it's no shock he's done nothing and all those people i keep telling these black people y'all can keep keep getting played every time y'all stand next to donald trump but you're going to get played eventually hashtag we tried to tell you
8: The thing that people have to realize is that Donald Trump keeps the promises, the campaign promises that he wants to keep. Clearly, all of the ones that he made to the black population, he does not care about. He campaigned on fixing cities like Baltimore. He campaigned on the fact that Democratic-held large cities, urban centers across the country. The problem was the fact that they had Democratic leadership. And now that he was going to be president, he was going to take care of them. And we haven't seen that come through. Um, we, we've what we have seen is him take away a lot of the things that they need to survive. We're watching the major cuts at food stamps. We're watching him make it harder for people to get Medicaid. We're watching him take from the Department of Education. We're watching all of these things happen. He doesn't care about Baltimore. He's never cared about Baltimore, except to the extent that his son-in-law became even more wealthy off of putting people up in these slim Lord homes. It's, it's, it's an issue that is frustrating, but it's also one that we have to look at the source. Donald Trump, finds it very hard to tell the truth about anything but he also has something to gain here he is attacking elijah cummings because congressman cummings is also the chair of guess what the committee that is in charge of looking into his tax returns this is part of a much larger scheme and he's using racialized codes and a lot of racial language to upset people and to ignite his base that's what he's doing
4: Let's talk about his childish tweet. Uh, Really bad news. The Baltimore house of Elijah Cummings was robbed. Too bad. Even Nikki Haley, his former UN ambassador, said that was unnecessary. Again, Robert, this shows you what kind of person he is. He is childish. He is petty. He's a grown child. And the man has no no care, no feelings whatsoever. And so there's no sense in trying to fake the funk. He is who he is.
3: He's a pathetic human being. Yeah, I I think that, honestly, somebody who touts law and order realistically should not be touting the fact at the same time that somebody had their home broken into. Um, Unfortunately, it, it really would have been an opportunity to talk about the fact that we do have great issues. Um, in, in places like Baltimore and D.C. We do have great issues in the fact that there are homes being broken into all across America. It happens to the very rich, it happens to the very powerful, and it happens especially to the very poor. Um, it's not an opportunity to take jabs and try to score political points. Um, but again, this this is nothing new. Um, I've often said that, you know, to, to Mustafa's earlier point, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. And so to that point, I, I we're, we're better served talking about what can we do as a people Um, to alleviate these conditions rather than trying to lay our burdens down at the feet of President Trump. Um, Because if we keep trying to do that just so that we can sleep better at night, uh, we're going to wake up to realize that the nightmare might still be gone.
4: Well, I'm not trying to lay any of my burdens down at the feet of Trump, Amisha, but what I am telling black folks is, especially black men, don't fall for the okie doke. Folks should be—that was almost a 4% drop in black turnout in 2016— There should not be a single black person who stays at home in 2020. We should have the highest turnout in the history of America for African-Americans in 2020. And the whole focus Mm -hmm. is to say, throw that ignorant man out of the White House. And that's what the focus should be, Amisha.
8: Agree 100%. What Donald Trump is trying to do and what he tried to do with his statements on Baltimore and his statements on work and the progress across this country for minorities, he is looking at trying to chip away the black male vote. He already knows that black women are in a camp that's never going to move. But he is trying to move black men. And I think that his strategy is very interesting, but it's also the fact that we know that a lot of black males right now aren't necessarily interested in the candidates that we have. That doesn't mean they're going to vote for Trump, but the great fear is that they might not vote at all. So to your point, I definitely want to see black people show up and show out in 2020. All of our policy goals are on the line and we just really need people to get out.
4: And again, Mustafa, for me, it is about our agenda, what we care about, our policies. And the bottom line is, uh, but the only way you affect that is if you actually vote. Put people in place who are likely going to advance your agenda. That to me Uh, should be the focus, and it should be a laser-like focus for folks in cities all across this country, uh, rural as well as inner city. It doesn't matter. East Coast, West Coast, West,
2: South, Midwest, it doesn't matter. I agree with you a thousand percent. It's real simple. There's a simple formula for this. The first part is make sure that you're registered. The second part is make sure that you have the right ID. The third part is making sure that all the people that you say that you love and that you care about, that you're helping them get to the polls. And the fourth part is making sure that you vote. And it's real simple for me. If you say you love your mama or your auntie or your grandmother or your community and you don't vote, then there's something wrong with that picture.
3: Yeah, I, I would all right, folks. Uh, they... Going to go. Uh,
4: say it again, Robert. Yeah, no, I
3: just say we, we I think we at this point we have to figure out You know, exactly what we can do as a community to empower ourselves to understand that, look, it's not a straight line to to opportunity and it's not a a straight line to justice. And so when you look at what's happened right now with with the president and the things that he's done with this tweeting to divide communities, divide the country, I think that's a problem. But I think that we also have to have to be better at informing the people in our communities that the things that they see are actually there. Because when you have somebody like Bill de Blasio on stage talking about he's going to heal the lead water crisis across America when we've got lead water coming out of the pipes here in New York City, Mm -hmm. you know, there are plenty of people who hear that, get discouraged and say, you know what, it's hopeless, I'm just going to stay home. Um, So I think we have to acknowledge the hypocrisy on both sides if we're actually going to empower people and embolden people to go out and vote in spite of things that have gone wrong.
4: Well, again, for me, uh, you have a person has to sit down and decide what do I care about and which candidates align with what I care about. That's what's most important. Folks, going to a commercial break when we come back. Here we're here in Santee, South Carolina. We're going to talk with Congressman Jim Clyburn, who's the host of this annual Golf Classic, talk a little politics and some other stuff as well. Right here, Roller Martin Unfiltered, back in a moment.
2: We have to create an art for liberation and for life. Artist Elizabeth Catlett.
4: south carolina uh for the annual golf tournament of congressman uh, jim Clyburn. he's been he's been talking trash for for years and i'm like yo you don't call a brother so i call him the last you know what i'm gonna fly to your tournament uh to play
1: golf congressman how you doing i am doing great and i'm pleased to know that an alpha guy can absolutely keep a promise <laughs> i had no idea that you were gonna keep this promise
4: that's interesting because i met the dude who handles your money and he happened to be an alpha <laughs> uh-huh, that, yes. is yes, that is quite I'm, uh, true. That's uh, On my side, yeah.
1: See, so he yeah. trusted Omega with his money. He trusted the Alpha with his money. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you guys, you know, you guys are always number one. Number number one. Yes, we are. Uh, but you end up with Omegas. Right. At but, some
2: point in time. But That's I ain't gonna, gonna
1: be here so, soon. But I ain't gonna be here, so
4: it don't matter. <laughs> That's great. Thanks for coming. So You're glad to be here. here. Let's talk about a couple of things. First off, before we talk about the tournament. In New York today, judge ruled Daniel Pantaleo should be fired. The death of Eric Garner. Uh, the family uh, has been fighting with this for five years. Just your thoughts.
1: Well, having met the family, uh, I was up in New York, in the community. In fact, went to the area uh, where he was um, uh, suffocated. Uh, you may recall, I can't breathe. Uh, that's one of those things that I always remember. Uh, and his sisters, his mother, uh, his now widow. Oh, just absolutely solid the earth people, and I'm glad to see that they're finally getting some justice. Not as much as I think they should have gotten, uh, because this was an illegal chokehold, everybody knows that, uh, but uh, this is some modicum uh, of justice. Got to also ask you about uh, the petulant
4: child that's sitting in the White House, uh, I mean, relishing the home of Congress
1: Elijah Cummings being broken into, I mean, how childish? Well, uh, it is something else, uh, Roland. I would hope uh, you could call it sophomoric or childish, juvenile, but I think there's something else going on here. I think Nancy Pelosi called it right uh, some months ago when she said, it's time for the family uh, to do an intervention. Uh, But I would hope, uh, since I don't think the family will do it, I think it's time for the courts. Now, it may get time for the legislature, us in the Congress. But right now, uh, there are various lawsuits in the courts, and it's time for the judicial system to do its job. And its job is to allow evidence that we are trying to get to, uh, allow us to get to it. And right now, the reason we cannot gather the information that we need to gather is because in too many instances, he is hiring lawyers. The lawyers are doing what they can uh, to postpone things and the courts need to intervene. And if we get the proper information, the legislature, that is the Congress, will do its job. you now got more than half of your caucus Absolutely. calling for impeachment, and that is growing every day. Yes, but you know, those of us who are entrusted with leadership in the party have got to keep two things in mind. We have to do what's right by the country, and we also have to do what is right by our constituents. And if you're in leadership, you got two sets of constituents, those back home who will send you to Washington and those up in Washington who look to you to preserve the integrity of their congressional service. And nobody wants to be in the minority. Everybody under present conditions wants to be in the majority. Nobody wants to keep this president. Everybody in our caucus would like to get rid of this president. So we've got to do everything that we possibly can to preserve those two fronts. Be sure that we don't do anything to jeopardize uh, the, our majority and make sure we do nothing to short-circuit uh, a legislative process that could lead to uh, impeachment. Now I had our second
4: round of debates. Uh, won't be one in August. Next one is in September. Uh, Texas Southern University. Uh, are you satisfied with what you've heard uh you know, there are there too many people still on these stages or do you need to hear more, especially for African-Americans? Because I've had talked to a lot of people who said, frankly, the, the moderators are not asking the questions that we want to hear.
1: You know, the moderators are doing too much gotcha stuff. Uh, you know, uh, ever since uh, uh, Shaw, my, our good friend, Bernard Shaw, Michael Dukakis versus George W. Bush, uh, 1988. 1988 uh, opened up uh, the debate with that lethal question. Uh, that destroyed the caucus presidency, uh, rescrambled the cards. Uh, we have always had that, and we've seen that taking place this time. Very first question uh, the other night. Now I didn't see the, the second debate because, as you know, or you probably know, I decided to celebrate the 400th year of African Americans coming into this country, uh, visiting the door of no return. Uh, in uh, in Ghana. So I did not see uh, the second debate. You ain't missed much. <laughs> no. But, you know, to have the very first question setting up uh, contentiousness between two candidates means that that's the way, that sets the tone. I would love to see some visionary questions coming up, having people lead into them being able to lay out their vision for the country, uh, and we aren't getting that. And we aren't getting that because if you don't answer the question, uh, you then called on it, and then you got 30 seconds after that, then 15 seconds, and then who knows when you will ever get a chance to lay out a vision. You can't do out of, lay out a vision in sound bites. And so we're in a sound bite world, and that's a problem for us. I would hope when we get down from 20, to maybe 10, Uh, 10 used to be too much. I remember (laughs) we had nine, and everybody thought that that was incredible back uh, with Bill Clinton. remember they called him the nine dwarfs or something. Uh, Now, uh, with 22 uh, people praying not to be more than 20, now we're praying to get down to 10. Hopefully by the time we get to uh, to Southern uh, uh, University, we'll have a small enough number, because I want to see people uh, lay out a vision, especially in this 400th year. And real discussion. Real discussion. Because if we're going to talk about uh, reparations or anything attending that too, we're talking about making repairs, making amendments, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, mem, uh, uh, making amends uh, for what we uh, uh, have done. We ought to have some genuine discussions and let people lay out a vision. All right, now now here we have the, of course, your golf tournament.
4: Uh, this is, that is about having fun, uh, raising, what, $700,000 uh,
1: of oh, a scholarship for students? Yes. Uh, tomorrow night, 150 young people will walk across the stage here. They will pick up somewhere around $200,000 in cash, another 150 laptops, 150 software packages, and other kinds of assistance to go into colleges and universities. And we don't have the two uh, criteria uh, for uh, getting the scholarships. You are eligible for a scholarship if you live in the 6th Congressional District. I don't care where you go to college. I don't care where you live. You're eligible for a scholarship if you go to school in the 6th Congressional District. And I want everybody to know that in the 6th Congressional Districts, I have seven HBCUs. The Citadel, Medical University of South Carolina, the University of South Carolina, Columbia College are all in the 6th Congressional District. So you got a plethora of colleges and universities that you can attend. So you can live in Madagascar, uh, across uh, Ghana, and you decide to go to South Carolina State, you're eligible for one of these scholarships. And so I'm looking forward to tomorrow night uh, to handing out these scholarships, these uh, uh, awards, and hopefully uh, they'll change some young people's lives. Well, I'm sure somebody watching who's saying, wait a minute, I didn't know about that. Yeah. Uh, so if I
4: send my kids to one of those schools, uh, they should apply for one of these scholarships.
1: Absolutely. I, I met two young uh, people today. Uh, one was here because we have a health fair as well. We had a health fair all day here today. A lot of people come here f- for their annual checkups. The two young people I met today, both getting scholarships. They're both right here from Lake Marion High School, uh, just a couple of miles uh, from this conference center. One of them is going to the University of San Francisco. The other is going to St. Louis University. I told them uh, that I'm not going to say much except that get the, the education and come back to South Carolina to help us out. All right. Well, Congressman Clyburn, always good seeing you. Look at
4: mighty festive in this uh, oh, yeah. in this Hawaiian type shirt. To
1: keep everybody lively. I want you to come to South Carolina and go back feeling good. Uh, if I'm playing against you tomorrow, though, you may not feel too good. Actually,
4: but when you see uh, what I've got on, when you see all that alpha gear and an alpha golf bag, uh, you're, gonna, you're just going to throw up the moment you see it. So <laughs> I'm just letting you know. I, 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 I put the Astros or the Texas A&M bag back in the, cl- back in the garage. I said, no, no, he's going to see all alpha gear my for the next two days. Lord,
1: my Lord. Uh, I don't care if you have alpha on Just
4: make sure it's purple and gold, not black and gold. Yeah, but y'all took one of our colors. Y'all couldn't even be original. You took our color gold.
1: No, we add some regalty to, to it that what y'all call it yeah well, you know when you go to church it's reverent you see all the purple stuff yeah but remember Jesus was an alpha <laughs> 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 I don't know about that, <laughs> no, that, 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 that Jesus uh, well he, he was the son. But he was still an alpha. <laughs> okay, <laughs> whatever you saying. I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, go ahead,
4: check that out. Go ask your pastor about that. I will. I will. Right. Make it. Always good seeing you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. You're All right. In the end. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, uh, really? Yeah, but the alpha part is first. <laughs> Always good to see Carson, Jim Clyburn. All right, folks, I'm going to go to a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Santoya Brown, also a brother, free from prison after 21 years for a crime he did not commit. Broadcasted live from Santee, South Carolina, this is Roland Martin Unfiltered back in a moment. Hey, fam, I want you to like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications. Martin!
3: remember union halls, and what I mean by that union halls were places that the community would go, and it wasn't just about collective bargaining it was whether there was a local issue a political issue and there would be meetings in these union halls they would often open up to young people oh, this no is where you'd have dances and 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 it, it they really Uh, did what you, you said. And with the death, particularly the private sector unions, I always ask the question, where do they go now to be instructed on issues of public policy?
1: Well, we want them to still come to the Union Hall. I mean, the Union Hall, in many cases, if it's operating in the proper way and being the best that it can be, is your second home. Okay, where people come in—that's in. where it used to be, yeah, like a it, second home. It was, yeah, there's no question. Yeah, where you would come in, you would talk about issues, you would have your picnics, right? You would socialize, right? But you would strategize and mobilize and educate while you were yeah. doing all of those kinds yeah. of things. And that's what we're doing now. We're getting back to basics. And one of the ways that we're doing that is having those individual conversations, asking people to come in and asking people to be participants and activists within their unions
4: all right, folks. We want to thank Aspen for being a partner here at Roland Martin Unfiltered. Their support uh, really makes all of this possible. So we certainly appreciate Lee Saunders and the folks at Aspen. All right, folks. A uh, couple of celebrity cases. Asep Rocky, a Swedish court has ruled that uh, he can be let out of jail to. Two the suspects as well, uh, while they, rem- they will remain free until August 14th, uh, when an assault verdict is going to be announced, of course they have been in trial for the last a few days, and so of Rocky and two of the suspects have been let out of jail in Sweden until a decision is made. R. Kelly, he is still in jail. Today he pleaded not guilty. The charges that he sexually exploited young women and girls who attended his concerts. He appeared in a federal courtroom in Brooklyn packed with his supporters. For a second time, he was denied bail, according to the U.S. Attorney's Office, in the Eastern District, of New York. And speaking of getting out of jail, uh, Centoya Brown, remember, she was a young lady uh, who spent half her life behind bars. She will walk out of prison next week, August 7th, uh, according to former Tennessee Governor Bill Haslam, who granted her clemency eight months ago. She's 31 years old, was well, sentenced to life in prison, uh, behind uh, life behind bars, uh, for uh, killing a man, uh, but uh, who also raped her. It says she was forced into prostitution uh, by a pimp. And though she was only 16 at the time, uh, she was tried as an adult and given a life sentence. This story here, though, is uh, really a sad one. John Miller, finally free from prison after 21 years, he was cleared of murder, uh, of a murder he never committed, more than 10 years after another man began confessing to the killing in an attempt to clear his own conscience. The actual killer is David Williams. He felt guilty even before Miller's first hearing back when he was arrested for the 1996 crime and has been declaring his own culpability for more than 10 years. Miller has always maintained his innocence. Amisha, I wanna go to you. I mean, here's what is is amazing to me. It is very rare when you hear one of these stories at the person whose short time in prison is white. And this is also why there are people who do not believe in the death penalty. Because we've seen these cases where African-American men have been on death row and then freed for crimes they did not commit. Uh, and I, I cannot imagine. I mean, my niece is 22. This man served 21 years in prison. I, I cannot, I, I just couldn't imagine spending two decades behind bars for something you know you didn't do.
8: Hearing his story, um, it. it- it almost makes me cry because I think of all of the time that he missed, all the family time, all of the growth, everything that has changed in this country over the past three, four, five years, much less 20, and you maintaining your innocence the entire time, reaching out, trying to get as much support as possible. Meanwhile, investigators having information of the person who confessed and details linking him to the crime that he confessed to. So at that point, you have to acknowledge the fact that our criminal justice system has ingrained within it some really serious issues. Part of it goes back to prosecutors wanting to get a conviction extremely quickly, whether or not they have all the evidence or not. But in addition to that, it's also a juror system that is more likely to believe a black man is guilty just because he's a black man than actually paying attention to evidence at the time. I think that cases like this, once they're brought to light and you see that someone has served such a long time um, and is now being released, we can't really call it justice because at the end of the day, he will never get those 20 years back, never. And it's
4: frustrating it's and it's okay. And Mustafa, some of these cases, they aren't eligible for a lot of money. It depends upon the state, and that's what's also shameful. You're having to restart your life, and you spent 21 years behind jail. Many of these folks uh, could have could have gone to college, could have been doing things, and now you're in your 40s and 50s, some case 60s and you're trying to restart.
2: Yeah, a number of what we probably would label as red states have moved forward. on on putting things on the books to stop folks from being able to get except a small amount uh, of resources back for the time that they've spent, uh, you know, behind bars. And we've got to change that. But again, that goes back to our vote and being educated and knowing the things that we are looking for and making sure that we're putting the right people in office to help to move forward, to address these past injustices and the injustices that continue to happen.
4: And Joseph, this is why, when I was talking about earlier organizing and mobilizing when it comes to your vote because now people realize who that district attorney is can determine what happens with the criminal justice system you we know cases we have the supreme court case with a guy in mississippi the white da repeatedly kept striking black jurors from the trial even when smacked down by courts this is why we've got to have DAs with conscience, we've got to have Judges with conscience, we've got to have Politicians who are appointing judges Who are overseeing as- aspects Of the criminal justice system, who are standing Up and saying what is right And what is fair should always be the most Important and not trying to base Your career off the backs of throwing folks In prison for long periods of time
3: Yeah, I mean I, the, the hard truth is that You know, to, to my colleague's point that No, this this is not justice And it happens time and time again um, and whether it's a small amount of money or a life-changing amount of money, nothing can give you back that time that you had would have had with your family. And ultimately, the greatest crime is that those payouts come at the expense of the very communities from which these people come from. Yeah. And so you're a person of color, congratulations, you got $5 million, that's $5 million less that ultimately goes to education in that district, that goes to maintaining safety in those communities. I mean. We know concretely that the people who are responsible for injustice in this country are not the ones paying. They're not, when police officers abuse civil rights, that money is not coming out of their pension funds. When you have judges who are corrupt, that money does not come out of their retirement funds. This money comes out of budgets for cities, and the majority of that money goes to the safety net for the people that depend on it. And so I think, again, to your point, yes, we have to make sure that people are in tune. Um, that means not just the 23 people on stage running for president, but we have to. To know who's on our city councils, we have to know who's running for those city judges, we have to know who's running in those DA races because ultimately, most of the time, they have a larger impact on outcomes in our community than the people run at the federal level.
4: All right, Joseph Pignon. Mustafa, Amisha, we surely appreciate all of you uh, being on today's Roland Martin Unfiltered panel. Thank you so very much. Folks, uh, earlier this month, actually last month, we're now in August, uh, we were at Essence uh, Festival, had a chance to catch up with my girl Erica Alexander. Uh, she, of course, has several different projects going on, including Black Lightning. Here's our conversation. Hey, folks, Roland Martin here 25th Annual Essence Festival. We are chatting with my home girl. Uh, Erica Alexander. A lot of y'all know her from Living Single. She like, look, I'm on Black Lightning. <laughs> she said, I'm on something new, not just something old as well. That's true. What's happening? Happening is a lot here.
5: This is first, my first time at Essence. Your first time? My first time I'm a virgin. All this blackness? I, that's what I said. It's a lot. And I'm appreciating it. You know what? Negro love is real.
4: Oh, no, it, it, is, it is. I tell people all the time, it is totally different. Absolutely. I mean, just... Folk want hugs. Yep. It's the kisses. Yes. It's like you, my baby. Yes. I I be, everybody I mean, saying people, you, my baby. Right. And, and also, n- New Orleans women, especially if you're a man, no other woman said, "Hey baby." Hey yeah, baby. No that's b- right. No, nobody else. You, that's, nobody
5: else says it that way. No, hey baby. Hey baby. <laughs> it's beautiful, and there are really beautiful women walking around doing great things and talking to people, having discussions. It's great.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about, first of all, before we talk about uh, what you here promoting and working on, uh, it was great to have you part of our reading of the Frederick Douglass uh, uh, July 5th, 1852 speech.
5: Listen, I was glad to be asked. I was honored. I didn't realize he had made this speech. So you always turn people on to things that they don't know about. And when I started to contemplate and actually look at the substance of the text, you see how brilliant the man is.
4: Oh, it was a, I mean, that literally was, yo, I think we got to do this. You know what? I'm going to read this speech. Then I'm going to call some other people, see if they want to read part of the speech. Okay, well, then we're going to edit this whole thing together, and then we're going to stream it. And it was just and it was just crazy. So, I mean, I literally just sent out, like, 50 text messages. Wow. And it was like, whoever responds. Wow. And then, and I knew some people, stuff would happen, they couldn't do it. Yeah. It was July 3rd, yeah. so I went in and did a whole, I read, I read the entire speech, all 10,000 plus words.
5: Okay. So, so then,
4: you if anybody didn't send it in we already had it covered
5: got it well that's you Roland. you have contingency plan for everything you're the hardest working man i know more importantly you're one of the smartest people in the world the fact that you're on our side when i say our side the nation side the black community side black women i see you have conversation with people and tell people who's supposed to be experts their job and so the fact that you bring us this type of stuff is amazing.
4: Well, we got to talk about, uh, when I did the interview with you for People walk Vote, all these people are still talking about when you said, fuck Hope, like, <laughs> mean, I mean, like three words, and people, they were like, I said the Yang Yu with the young church, he was like, yo. <laughs>
5: yeah, we know, but listen, I like when Michelle Obama said, when they go low, we go high. But that's not what always needs to be done. When they go low, Bury them. Bury them with the truth. Bury. Cut off their oxygen. Because somebody has to go in there. We need gladiators and warriors to take these people out. They're playing a whole other game. That's right. They're not waiting for us to, to elevate. They're not elevating themselves. That's what for me.
3: I, I
4: always tell people when I was on CNN, when I'm on, when I'm on mainstream television, I said, no, I'm going to put you in a rhetorical body bag. I, I, like, I, I go in like, yo, I ain't... I'm not playing games here. I remember one, I remember one of the CNN people called my agent once, like, well, you know, can you tell me, you No, know, it's just television debate. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. No. Th- that's something deeper with what y- you are dealing with warfare. Yes,
5: yes. And if people don't know it, then they know it now. They should have had a uh, talent like yours out there debating and asking questions and pushing hard, not just people who were you know, uh, going to ask the same questions that they heard somebody else say and have rhetoric that goes around and regurgitates like somebody's day-old vomit. They need some people who would actually stop the discourse and say, no, that's wrong, and here's why it's wrong, and then actually lay out a whole nother way to think. If we gave the American people that, we wouldn't have what we have right now in the White House, which is an abomination.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. So hopefully uh, folks will understand that uh, this ain't a game.
5: No, it's not a game. And it's real. It's people's lives are in hand. Not only that, we're talking about not only um, our lives, but the world's lives. When you see him play games with other countries, Iran, to tickle them like they're a child. This is not, they they don't want, and you're not going to push them around. And here we are playing games. Why would you send somebody like that up there? They think that, oh, we want to shake things up. You don't do that with something you love. You take care of it. You make sure that there's a great steward. You make sure that there's somebody passionate and who knows the job. So if they're willing to do that, then they, we need warriors like you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Talk about this here. All right.
4: What are you doing? What, what, what's this? This Almost right here, don't know.
5: Wu-Tang. So this is the emblem and the logo of the famous Wu-Tang Clan. And I am in the new series from Hulu, Wu-Tang, an American Saga. <laughs> now I put on my Wu-Tang hat, for real we taking a minute. Oh, thanks! It's a shout out to Big Dot Custom Hats. They do a lot of things for the community in West Virginia, and I'm gonna give them a shout out. And they did the hat. But um, I play Linda Diggs. Linda Diggs is Rizza's mother. She's not with us anymore. She had 11 children in real life. Four are represented in the series. Ashton Sanders plays Rizza. You've got Elijah Martinez, who was on a Broadway play while he was doing this. He plays Divine. I've got Shiri Diggs, is played by Zoli um, Griggs and also a little young man named uh, Justice Davis, who's actually a champion boxer, and he plays the baby. But um, we're doing that for five months in Staten Island, where they filmed it in their community because they wanted to make sure they brought it back to the community. Yep. While they were there, they got a district named after them. So you're seeing how they're not just, um, their phenomenon is just not a community neighborhood thing. It's actually a global uh, brand.
4: What- what will somebody learn from watching this?
5: I think first thing they'll learn that our stories as family are just as relevant as the Waltons or Little House on the Prairie. And we need to... That's why it's so smart that they said Wu-Tang, an American saga. Mm-hmm. They put it up there. They made it the hefty. Brian Grazier is the um, producer. Alex Say and Riza wrote it. But what you have is some people who t- treated it with the love and care and passion. And more important, the delicacy and the complexity right. that that needs. We're talking about the early 90s, and everybody talks about what the 90s had, but we also we don't talk about all the redemption stories and all the trans, tra- transitioning that people did from the street to uh, not only entertainment but also as messengers of peace. And that's what they did. They learned from a ancient sort of obsession about uh, a movie. Uh, a, a, Chinese movies, they learned something within them was more powerful than all that. And that's why we're here today.
4: Well, first of all, sounds quite interesting. Thank you. Uh, I also, uh, again, like that uh, Hulu is uh, having diversified content as well. Uh, that's critically important with these streaming services that we also now with them have far more outlets and we're not so locked in it has to, with, with the major seven film companies, now the opportunities uh, are there to tell our stories in totally different, unique ways. Look at uh, what uh, folks who have movies on Netflix, thing with Hulu. Now when you're on, you're not worldwide. You're not just in the U.S. Right.
5: That's true. But we also have to make sure that we hold their feet to the fire because a lot of these same companies are owned by larger yep, companies yep. that seem to just swallow them up like Pac-Man. And I think that we need to make sure that they don't build their brand with our people and then dismiss us when it's time. Or, uh, yep, yep. It, it's, we've it, seen that before. We've seen that before, and we shouldn't let them do it. So I'm really h- hopeful that not only Hulu, but all the other streaming services and all the people who come out and companies are there to make a better tomorrow for everybody.
4: Last question. The, the digital, the, you're still doing that? Uh, the yes. media company?
5: Yes, Color Farm Media. So Color Farm Media, we're still around. <laughs> we're producing the John Lewis documentary. Don Porter's our director. Um, that will come out in 2020, around the early part of um, 2020, and then you'll see it in theaters and then on CNN all the time. And that's the
4: blockchain thing? That, that's what I'm saying.
5: No. Color Farm Media is my company that we right. produce film and television, but Got the it. blockchain, well, let me put yeah. you like this. Blockchain kind of fell out completely like I not feel, blockchain I but they understand it like, well, I still, so like, when, it's it's a ledger it's a way to it's a way to keep um, track of money in a, in a in a multi in a listen last time I came on I ruined that okay so don't ask I, me now I was trying to, to, like, you I was, was trying was, to help me out and I was like um, well you know I, look let me tell you something whether I could explain it or not it is something that's actually legitimate that's going to change the world right, right. but they look whenever you bring something out people abuse it and they started making companies that weren't real, and then the bottom fell out of it. The go. truth is that blockchain is still there, it's real, and what they do with it could be revolutionary, but it won't be overnight. All right. Great job. Okay. Okay. okay, and I'm doing the blackness, the blackness. Huh? That's what we're talking about. The newsroom I was doing on it, it was the blackness. Yes, yes. yes and that that's real, that's keep going. We partnered with Medium, and we're gonna be on their platform, and we're gonna do something rolling out called Moonrakers 2020. What is that? That talks about the black women who often are behind these really power brokers who never get their play. So we talk talking about Mignon Moore. We're mm-hmm. talking about Leah Daughtry. We're talking about, of course, Kamala Harris and all those other people will be featured. But I want to talk about the people who make that happen. They never get their due. And we can't wait till the candidates win to give them their due.
4: Right. All right. You busy.
5: Yeah. How about that? <laughs> I'm so glad to be with you.
4: Alright, darling, glad to see you. Anywhere it's you're happy. at, I'm I'm yeah, happy.
5: Business? Yes. Ciao.
4: All right, folks. We certainly appreciate all of you for watching us today, Roland Martin Unfiltered. I'm here in Santee, South Carolina, for Congressman Jim Clyburn's annual golf classic, raising seven hundred thousand dollars to send uh, students to college. Folks, this is why you got to support Roland Martin Unfiltered. That interview with Eric- Erica Alexander at Essence Festival. We got tons of other interviews uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. I've got an hour special with my friend Omari Hardwick uh, that we're going to drop uh, the day before. Uh, The the final season of power premieres. Why do I need y'all to support this year? First of all, I just checked when we launched this show, September 4th of last year, we had about 170,000 subscribers on YouTube. I'm I'm, I'm actually get the actual number right now, folks. uh, We are sitting at three hundred and thirty eight thousand two hundred and forty. That means we've almost we've doubled our YouTube channel in just in under a year. Just a year. So I want to get up to 350000 before our September 4th anniversary. We also need you to support us. I bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give goes to support this show. allows us to travel, allows us to do interviews like with Erica Alexander, with Omari Hartwit, Joseph Socorro, Lorenz Tate, allows us to talk to Congressman Jim Clyburn, allows us to go to Houston next month to broadcast live from Texas Southern University uh, on that Thursday night where the debate is going to be taking place this is why we need independent black owned media i don't we're not asking somebody else can we come here we're not asking somebody can we do this we're actually doing it because we make those decisions But it can only happen with your support. We appreciate AFSME, one of our sponsors. 420 Real Estate, another one of our partners as well. Uh, The American Heart Association. uh, XQ America. We appreciate all of them, what they've done. But your dollars also matter. And so I want you to go to square. I want you to go to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com right now. I want you to uh, use Square. Use Cash App. Use PayPal. I'm asking just a minimum. 50 bucks of each one of our fans. I'm telling you right, right now. A number of people who are watching on Periscope, YouTube, and Facebook. If the folks who are watching right now simply gave, it'll hit our, uh, our quota for for the month. This is all about us being able to tell our own story, control our narrative, and I want your support. And so please go to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Tell a friend, tell a family member, because we are about speaking to our truth. And I want us in a position where we are traveling in 2020 on the road with these candidates, asking the questions, speaking to our people all across the country. That's the plan that we have. We want you on board as well. So please do so. So, folks, right now we're going to roll, of course, all the names of people who've given to our fan club. If you don't see your name, Send me an email. We'll actually add it. If you have not gotten your promo code uh, for discounts on my website, of books and things along those lines, send me an email as well. So we can be sure to get that to you. All right, folks, I got to go. Monday, I will see you guys broadcasting from Miami for the National Association of Black Journalists. We're having our annual uh, conference. I'm Vice President Digital on the board, so I got to go there a little bit early. I'll see you guys on Monday. Y'all should have a great, great weekend. I'm going to hang out with the congressman and his constituents here in South Carolina. Y'all take care. Holla!
6: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast